Together we began uh, looking at the purpose of the storms and we laid a bit of a foundation about storms in our lives. Uh, we moved on <coughs> uh, the following week and we started talking about what are some of the purposes, some of the reasons for storms. It's been interesting in the last few weeks. I've had some really, really interesting conversations with people about this topic. Um, and, and it's interesting to hear different people's opinions and, and perspectives. Um, <coughs> How many of you know that, that two people can look at this? We can look at the same situation, both see totally different things. Anyone ever been in that situation? Uh, I know as, a, as, 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 uh, as uh, in, in the opportunity of preaching and sharing with people, it's amazing how afterwards I'll sit down with somebody and they'll come up with tears in their face or ring me up or send me an email and go, oh, I was so touched by what you shared. And, and they start telling me what I, what I shared and I'm sitting there going, who are you listening to? I didn't say that. That's... That was absolutely nothing that I even mentioned. But somehow God took what I said and he interprets it in certain ways and, and people hear certain things. And that's a wonderful thing about God is that God knows exactly your language. It says in, uh, in, in, in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit first fell. And the Bible says that the disciples, they all in the upper room, 120 of them, they all started speaking in tongues as, as pillars of fire. Individual pillars of fire came upon each one of that 120 people in that room. And the crowds are there going, this is amazing. How come we're hearing them in our own languages in Parthian and, and Egyptian, Libyan and whatever the, the cultures and the nationalities were there. They're standing there going, we're hearing these people speak in our own languages. <laughs> so was the miracle the fact that these 120 disciples were speaking in foreign languages? Was the miracle that this crowd were there able to hear whatever was being said in their language? At the end of the day, it's, a, it's an irrelevant argument from my perspective. The point I love about that is that every person that was there was hearing in their own language. And God speaks to us in a way that each of us individually will understand. That's the beauty of being a father. Um, I communicate with my kids in different ways. Uh, and, and I communicate in different ways at different stages of their life and also depending on their different personalities. How many of you know that, that you, you might, those of you that have children would know that your kids all have different personalities and different makeups and, and what might work in communication with one may not work in communication communication with another. Sometimes you've got to communicate differently to this one to get the point across than you do with this one. And that's just part of life and part of the beauty of the kaleidoscope of personalities and human beings that are on planet Earth. And God communicates to us in unique ways too. So it's always interesting to talk to people and ask them, you know, what, 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 uh, what are you hearing? What's God saying to you at different times? And I had a conversation with a person uh, this week uh, along these lines, and somebody had, had heard the topic that we were, I don't know if they heard the message or just the topic of, of the purpose of storms, and they had heard about this, and they made a, a comment to somebody, to this person, and said to them, yeah, that sounds really, really good in theory. It sounds really good in theory, but I don't understand the practical of it. How can God take... And, and they went on to talk about a person they know that's in a very bad situation right now and, and is, is battling um, um, a sickness and an illness. <laughs> and what was interesting was, was hearing this person's perspective from, and quite often from the outside looking in. Tell me if, the, if this is not your experience, then I'm sure that uh, at some point it will be. When you're going through the middle of a storm, sometimes there's a clarity about what God is saying and what God is doing to you because you need it when you're going through that. And sometimes there's a real clarity to you and people on the outside don't always see it. Who, how many of you have, have known people and they're going through stuff in life and from the outside you're looking and you're going, God, I don't get this, I don't understand. How can anything good come out of this? But yet they can go through these storms with a great peace in their heart and go, you know what, I, don't, I can't explain everything but I just know God is with me. 
I can't explain everything, but you know what? The Lord has said this to me. Or God has revealed this about my character or this about my person as I've gone through this. You know, it says in Philippians that um, um, God works all things together for the good of those that, that love him. And I've been thinking about that the last couple of weeks, that passage, and I've come to the conclusion that what God means is not, I'm going to push your face on a barbecue hot plate to teach you that it, it will burn. That's not what it means. Um, any of us with children know that I, I, I'm not going to grab Jordan's face and put it on the barbecue hot plate when he's a child to teach him for the rest of your days, don't touch the barbecue hot plate because it burns. There are other ways to teach Jordan that the barbecue hot plate burns. But having said that, if he puts his hand on that hot plate and burns himself, being a good father, I'm going to use that opportunity to teach him something to communicate to him, to give him a better understanding of the world, of himself, and so on. And in that sense, I believe that God's a bit of an opportunist. And while God may not orchestrate and set up everything that comes our way, God, I don't believe, goes around putting cancer on people. I I don't believe that. I'm open for, for the Holy Spirit through the Word of God to correct me and show me otherwise, but I just don't see the heart of a Heavenly Father doing things like that to us. But I do understand the world in which we live in, and I do understand it's a fallen world. And I do understand that people make decisions and choices. I had this conversation at work this week with a, a person, and they were talking about uh, uh, where, where somebody uh, in uh, Pakistan where those people uh, walked in, the suicide bombers, and blew up these Christians on uh, Easter Sunday or Friday. When they were, anyone read that story? They're in in, uh, in Pakistan there, and they were having a, a a a church gathering, and a suicide bomber walked in there and blew them up, as well as blowing up uh, Muslims and, and and so on. But they came out and they said their target was Christians. And I had a a friend of mine at work who's not a believer say, well, how does, how does that all work? How do you reconcile a good God letting that happen to these people? And the reality of the fact is that God has given us a free will. And a man chose with the free will that he's been given by God to strap a bomb to himself. And he chose to walk into that place and he chose to do what he did. And could God have spoken to all of them and led them out and told them, don't go that day? Yes, he could have. Maybe he did. Maybe he tried to communicate to them. Maybe he didn't. I don't know the big picture. There's a mystery aspect to God. You know, I used to say, well, I know God. I'm not so sure about that anymore. I know God to a degree. I know that Jesus died, was buried and resurrected for my sins. I know that when I put my faith in him, that he journeys with me. I know that his Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I know that he communicates with me, leads me, guides me. I know certain things about God, but I don't know everything about God. And every time a question gets answered about God, the truth is it opens up five more questions that I don't understand. That's why we live by faith. We don't understand everything, but we have faith and we trust God. And so I shared with this guy at work, you know, there's a world that we live in where we have free will choices. And it's a fallen world. And you know what? There are chemicals in our food and there are pesticides in the environment. There are all kinds of things that are going on in a fallen world that have consequences. And we live in the middle of a lot of those consequences. And God, I believe, protects us from a lot of those consequences. And every now and then there are consequences and we don't understand it. But what we do understand is the character and nature of God. He's a good God. He's a just God. He's a caring God. He's a loving God. And so it's been interesting hearing people's perspectives as they think about this issue of storms. You know, there's one extreme element of Pentecostal Christianity that will tell you you should never go through a difficulty. I've been in those churches. I've heard it preached. <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen people going, oh, by stripes I'm healed. 
Your needs are being met. You're not coming to me, asking me to meet your needs, asking me to help you, getting me involved in your different situations in life. If that's life for you, then fine, I'll stay out of it. And we don't advocate that kind of faith. We don't advocate that kind of Christianity. Storms happen. Not only do they happen, but there are times where God will lead us into them. And we've been looking at Matthew chapter 14. And in Matthew 14, 22 to 33, we won't read it again. But it's been the basis of what we've been looking at, that the disciples were told by Jesus, get into a boat. The boat goes out on the sea and a storm whips up. It was a divine setup. Jesus knew that a storm was coming. He's not silly. But he told them to get into the boat and he told them to go out there in the middle of the storm. And that tells me that storms serve a divine purpose. There are things that we can learn in the midst of those pressures. And, and, and I'm hoping this week to maybe try to get through the rest of this message, and I, I decided I would do that, but I feel like some of it's a bit too important to just rush through. So um, we're going to go as far as we can today, and then we may have a few-week break on this, and then we'll revisit it because we've got some exciting things coming up in the next few weeks. But uh, last week, we dove in and we talked about the first purpose of the storm, and that was that storms help us learn commitment. We looked at the difference between commitment and interest. How do you know if you're interested in your relationships or just committed to them? Well, wait till pressure comes. You'll find out. How do you know if you're interested in, in a relationship with God or just or, or committed? Well, wait till some pressure comes. How do you know whether you're interested in your career or just or, or committed? How do you know whether you're interested in this or committed to this? When pressure comes, you find out pretty quick whether I'm just interested in this or whether I'm actually committed. Do I live a life by convenience or by conviction? Do I stand on my convictions, come what may? Or when it's inconvenient, do I flex and go the other way? Storms will help sort out those questions. Storms will help us see the reality of some of that stuff. So we talked about storms helping us learn commitment. Second thing I want to look at is storms provide an opportunity to grow strength in us. Storms provide an opportunity to grow strength in us. Strength only comes from facing resistance. And that's what storms provide in our world. They provide resistance. How many of you are old enough to remember the movie Conan the Barbarian? Who remembers that film? Anyone, anyone seen it? Don't be embarrassed. Come on. Come on, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a killer film back in the day. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's big break, Conan the Barbarian. And, and there's a scene at the beginning, and, and, and I'm, by the way, again, I'm not advocating you go home and hire the film. Please don't. It's not worth watching. But I have seen it uh, years ago. And there's a scene at the beginning, and Conan is a little boy, and his, his, his village is raided by an unruly king. And they pillage and take away and kill his family. And they take young Conan and they turn him into a slave. And what they do is they take him to some big windmill type thing. And his job is to stand there with this big turning wheel. He gets chained to these handles and this is what he does. 
He spends the rest of his days walking around in a circle, churning this mill. And the, and the thing starts with Conan there, and about, you know, just a little boy and about five grown men there, and they're all pushing. And then it sort of fades into the future, and all of a sudden this, this scrawny little child ends up with a body like mine. He's a grown adult, a little bit bigger, mate. Tad. It's, all, it's all cameras and mirrors anyway. But all of a sudden it flashes to years, about 20 years ahead, and here's this massive, buff, solid-looking guy, and he's the only one because the other slaves have passed away, and he's pushing this whole thing by himself. How did he get that big? The inference is he got that big because of the resistance that he was pushing against. Resistance builds strength into us. I got onto uh, betterhealth.vic.gov uh, website and I was just looking at some health and fitness stuff and, and uh, there's a quote on there and it says, resistance training increases muscle strength by making your muscles work against a weight or a force. You know, storms are the resistance that comes and faith is the muscle. Faith is the muscle that we get to exercise in the midst of those times. And when we push back against that resistance, when we come against resistance and we stay our course and we push against it and we continue to go by our convictions and we continue to live the way that we know we should and make the choices that we know we should, we strengthen that faith muscle. It makes us stronger people. You cannot prove the existence of faith until it's tested. We heard a, a, a story there this morning about uh, Peter and, you know, I'll die for you and all this and all that. How many of you know you cannot prove the existence of faith in your life until it is tested? I've had many, many things in my journey with God where I would have looked you in the eye and, and oh, I'm gun-ho and I'm this. And then when I've come to the punch, I've crumbled in certain areas of my world, which has revealed to me that I wasn't quite as convinced about that area of life as I actually thought I was. Those moments are great because they cause us to go back to the Word of God. They cause us to go back to the Father and go, Rightio, well, this is who I really am. Help me. Help me uh, learn. Help me grow in my convictions. Help me grow in what uh, I believe and what I don't. You know, if you read about some of the giants of faith, you read about uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Who, who likes to look at, at church history and, and uh, John G. Lake and Catherine Coleman and whoever it is? We read these guys and we read uh, stories about the miracles and, and the power of God and the great things that they did for the Lord. But did you know at some point in their journey there came a moment of resistance? There came a moment where their faith was tested and they had to push against that and stand firm in order to come out the other side. How many of you know that the reward for victory is another battle? Is that right? The reward for victory in the Christian faith is another battle. You stand your ground, you stand on your convictions, you come out the other end, you resist the enemy, you push him back, you come out the other side, you're that little bit stronger. Guess what? There's going to be another one. Because the reward for victory is always another battle. This particular storm that we're talking about here, this was not the first storm that the disciples had found themselves in. If you go back to Matthew chapter 8, you find that the disciples are in another storm. However, in that particular instance, Jesus himself was in the boat with them. So in one instance, Christ is in the boat with them, journeying with them, talking to them, side by side in the middle of the storm. And then the next time they go in a storm, he stays on the shore and he says, right, you made it through that one. I'm going to send you out now by yourself. How many of you know the reward for victory is always another battle? Um, in, in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we have the story of David and Goliath. 
And we all know the story that David's taken his lunch to his brothers and his brothers are there and, and uh, the, the, the Philistines are there and there's this big dude called Goliath. And Goliath is taunting the armies of God. Come against me. Come on. Who can take me on? Who can beat me? Who wants to fight me? And the armies of Israel are shaking in their boots and David rocks up. And cut a long story short, David decides, you know what, I'll, I'll go. I'll go and do it. I'll go into battle. And he walks up to Saul and, and says, this is what I'm going to do. I'll go and fight. And Saul looks at him and says, there's no way on planet Earth a scrawny little kid like you is going to go out there and is going to take on Goliath. Here's what David says. In verse 36 of 1 Samuel 17, David makes this statement. He says, your servant, speaking of himself, has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. I wonder if David had not taken the opportunity to fight the lion. What if he simply laid down? What if he walked away? What if he accepted defeat? I wonder if he would have ever had the chance to defeat a bear. And if he didn't take on the battle against the bear, if he had have laid down, given in to defeat, I wonder if he would have ever been given the opportunity to fight a Goliath. And if he didn't take on a Goliath, if he had a coward in fear, if he had have laid his convictions aside and gone, it's inconvenient, it's, it, it looks too hard, I wonder if he would have gone on to fight nations. And I wonder, and I wonder... And I wonder, and I wonder for how many of us, the storms that we face in life, the things that come and resist us and push against us, when we bow to them, when we don't flex a bit of faith muscle, when we don't put our hands up against that wheel and start pushing back, I wonder how many other things we miss out on further down the track because we're not building that strength into our world. When storms come, they provide resistance. Resistance provides an opportunity for us to build up our muscle, our faith muscle. Provides an opportunity for us to get a little bit stronger. And the stronger we are, the more we can carry going into the future. Yep. What do we call a human body if at the age of two it stopped developing? The muscles didn't grow, the, the frame didn't fill out, the, 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 the capacity, the mental capacity stayed there. We call that, uh, we call that uh, not a complete human. We would look at that and go that, that there's a retardation somewhere there, there's something not right about that. Yet spiritually, how many of us are contented staying in that place? Because maybe it just gets a little bit too hard to resist. You know, the Bible says in James, resist the devil, and he will flee. What happens before he flees? Got to learn to resist. He comes like a force and he pushes us towards temptation. Or he comes and he pushes us towards unbelief. He comes and he tests your resolve when you're standing and believing God for something. When you've found something in the word of God and it's jumped out at you and you're convinced this is the way to live life, this is the way to go. And then he comes and he tests that resolve and he pushes against you. You make the decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, as a father, I'm going to uh, sit down and do this with my kids every weekend. I'm going to do something fun with them. And he'll come and he'll push against that. You make a decision, I'm going to have a date night, husband and wife, once a week, and he'll come and he'll put some resistance against that decision. He'll push against it. And what do we do? We go, oh, yeah, well, it's inconvenient now, you know. We've had a disagreement, so the, it's not a nice environment, so we'll just throw the towel in. Or, or I'm too busy, I can't do that. Well, God speaks to you about giving, being generous. And then all of a sudden, the bill comes in that week and you look and you go, oh, hang on, I better. But you know what God's saying to you? God's speaking to you about serving. 
And I'm not just talking about the church, I'm talking about out there even. God speaks to you about these different things and it just gets a little bit hard and the resistance is there and so we bow to it instead of pushing through. I wonder, I wonder, when I look back at my own life, to be honest with you, I wonder how strong should I be today had I not given in to so many things further down my journey. What could I be doing for the Lord right now? What battles could God throw me into with confidence and faith? Because he knows that I didn't run from the lion. He knows that I didn't run from the bear. He knows that I didn't run from uh, uh, Goliath. He knows that I didn't run from that whole army. He knows, and I know, through each victory, my faith grows stronger and my ability to trust God gets stronger and stronger. So going through storms, they provide opportunity for us to grow in strength. Of course, if we don't resist, then we can stay exactly where we are. And that's the human prerogative. There's an old saying, it says, whatever doesn't kill you can only make you stronger. It's not entirely true. It's not entirely true. But it does come back to choice. It does come back to resistance. There's, a tr- there's an element of truth in that thing. I remember uh, when I, I got saved, I, I, I come from a, a, a family where lack was our life. We never had enough of anything. We never had uh, money. We didn't go on holidays. We never went to Macca's for, for a meal. We, we did nothing that entailed money because we simply didn't have it. We were at that lower sort of uh, level. We lived in a housing commission uh, place in the western suburbs of Sydney. And that's what I remember of my upbringing. I don't have any uh, great memories of doing anything. And whether it's trauma that's blocked it or what, I have no memories of doing anything because we just didn't have money. It wasn't that my mum and dad were mean-spirited people. We just didn't have the money. Couldn't do anything. And so I remember getting saved at 19 and then going off six months later and joining this organisation called Youth with a Mission. And all of a sudden, God says to me, well, now you're going to trust me for your your finances because I didn't have any money. Um, I got saved. I joined a little uniting church for six months before I went. I didn't know a great deal of Christian people to go, can you pray about helping me? And, you know, I didn't know any of that stuff. And so I, through a series of miracles, God provided for me and I, I went to Youth with a Mission. After I'd finished my training and I went on staff there, um, the little uniting church I was going to, they got together, had a board meeting and decided we're going to support you $82.13 a month, I think it was. So they must have worked out, this is what we're going to give you over the year and per month we'll send you a check for $82.13. My board on the YWAM base was 20 bucks a week, so that basically chewed all that up. The, the, the base where we lived was about 20, 15, 20 k's out of town from anything. So when everybody would, would go, we're going to the movies tonight, Al, do you want to come? I'd be fumbling around for excuses as to why I couldn't go. You know, oh, no, no, just, just, just going to stay and pray, seek God. It was great for my spiritual image. I mean, I looked like the holiest man on planet. But uh, most of the time it was because I just didn't have money to do anything, you know. But I remember uh, in those days having to learn to fight, having to learn to, to pray, having to learn to prioritise what God was saying to me with the limited money that I did have. And there were times that, that I would receive $50, but, but God had already spoken to me, I want you to give $50 over here. So I would get this money and think, oh, Lord, fantastic. I can go and have a... a, a I used to love Colonel Burgers. Anyone ever have a Colonel Burger KFC? It's like, they were like a mini chicken burger and they were like a dollar something and, and we lived down the road from the Hyperdome in Logan in, in, uh, in uh, south side of Brisbane there and, and one, of my, one of my dreams was to just be surrounded by Colonel Burgers they were just the most amazing 
meal you could have. And so I'd get my 50 and think, great, I can go to a movie and have a couple of Colonel Burgers and, 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 and you know, and stash some money away and, and, and budget my Colonel Burgers over the next couple of months and make sure I'm having them regularly. But, but it would come in and, and then my resolve would be tested. Well, Alan, what's, what are you going to do? It's not convenient for you to give this away now because you really want to go to the movies. Or you really want to go to the Gold Coast this weekend and have a surf with your mates, which means you've got to put in some fuel money. Or are you going to do what you committed your life to, obey me, and I've, I've given you that money, but it's not for you. It's because you're connected to this one and you need to give it over here because they need that. And I'm trying to use you as a bit of a... Could you? So I, was, I, I had to learn to fight and to trust God and stand on my convictions that God is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. Well, you can imagine I, I'm building that muscle, I'm flexing that muscle. Then all of a sudden, one day, this beautiful woman sees me and falls head over heels in love with me, wants to marry me, and, and, and so we get married, and now all of a sudden, I'm not just having to believe God for me, now I've got this, this woman that absolutely adores me, thinks the world of me, you can jump in any time you want, um, <laughs> it must have been the Conan the Barbarian figure, I think, was that, it was around the pool one day, you first saw me around the pool, it was like, um, anyone seen that movie, Australia? I poured water on my head and did the, the whole, um, what's his name, Hugh Jackman thing, and Look, I can't help it. It's just who I was. And um, so all of a sudden, I've got this wife. So guess what? Now, I've, I've built that muscle to a certain point. But guess what? It's not strong enough now. So I'm going to have to build it a bit more. So now I'm married. And now I've got to trust God for, for myself and my wife. And it's not just me. She's trusting as well. She's once trusting God for her own provision. Now there's two of us. And so we're believing God. And it was a stretch. It was hard. But we had to believe God. We had to trust God and we had to stand on our convictions. And there was resistance and things that would come against that. Temptations to go, no, this isn't working. Go and do this or go and do that. Now, the Lord spoke very clearly to me in my early days with YWAM, don't write to anybody and don't ask them to support you. For the first about six, seven years of my YWAM existence, God spoke clearly to me when I learnt about, oh, you mean if you ask Christians to pray about giving you money, they'll do it. Oh, wow, that's cool. And everybody is at, at the base writing newsletters and God's saying to me, don't do it. Don't do it. I'll provide for you. And so I went through that and then I get married and the same thing. God's not saying, right, he's just saying, you need to trust me. And so for years we trusted. And then all of a sudden we're over in India trusting God. And there were days there where we didn't even have food in, in, in the house. But what do you do? Do you change the course of your life? Do you panic? Do you, do you get angry at God or do you flex the faith muscle? Do you pray? Do you stand firm on your convictions even when it's not convenient? And so we did that and there were days there that we would have Indians knocking on our door giving us food, going, oh, the Lord spoke to us to come and to give you some grocery. There you go. Very good. You know what that felt like? We're there in India to serve these people and to help these people and we're preaching about a God that, and, and they're giving us food. But you know what? God was teaching us stuff. He was building that muscle. We were flexing that faith muscle to trust God. Then, of course, we have a child and one turns to two, turns to three, turns to four. And we bought a telly. And all along, God is helping, God is building that faith muscle by allowing resistance to come against us. And I wonder, how much further would we be? How much further would I be if I had have learnt early on in my walk that when that resistance comes, resist it. It's there for a purpose. Some of these things are there and allowed by God for a reason. And it's to build into us. We are all on a journey of being conformed into the image of Jesus. And it's a journey. And everyone's journey is going to be different. And I wish that when I got saved, God just tapped me on the head with a magic wand and made me like Christ. On the one hand, I am like Christ. On the other hand, I'm still outworking my salvation. 
On the one hand, I'm a new creation. The old things have passed. All things are brand spanking new. But on the other hand, I'm learning how to work with that newness. And there's still a lot of the old stuff that's trying to cling and fight and scream out and clamor and get my attention. So I'm still a work in progress like all of us are. Number three, the third thing. Storms help us see our own faith as it really is. How many of you know that God already knows where your faith is at? But sometimes you don't. God already knows where your faith is at. God knows your trustometer. I made that word up just then. Your trustometer, your faithometer. God knows where you're at on that. He loves you anyway, He loves you regardless. But God knows exactly where you're at on that. But how many of you know sometimes we don't? I'm glad that you spoke about Peter this morning, Peter. In Luke 22, verse 31 to 32, we've got this story. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Wow. Gee, he thought pretty highly of himself, didn't he? I'll go with you to prison and I'll go with you to death, Lord. You know what? I reckon Peter probably believed that. He probably thought, no, this is who I am, I will. And then as soon as a bit of resistance and a bit of pressure came, all of a sudden where his faith was really at was made known to himself. You see, God already knows where your faith is at. But sometimes we don't. And in the midst of pressure, we get an opportunity to have our eyes open up and to see who we really are. You know, they say there are two, the, the, the two most vulnerable times in a human's existence is at the point of victory and at the point of defeat. In between that, we can hold our stability pretty good. We can, cover, we can put the mask on pretty well and we can hold a steady course. But in the midst of victory and in the midst of defeat, that's when sometimes we lose a little bit of that control and the real self can pop up. The real self can stand up. Peter was convinced that he was much further along the journey than what he actually was. And he finally got the picture when he heard that rooster crow. Can you imagine? All of a sudden he hears that noise. He remembers what Jesus says. He remembers what he says. And all of a sudden he goes, oh my goodness, Jesus, you are actually right. Duh. God, you actually know me better than I know myself. And it's the grace and the mercy of God that allows that to happen. It's the grace of God that allows me to see who I really am. You know, people say, oh, I'd die for you, Jesus. You know, I'd this, I'd that. I used to say that. And then, I won't go into the story now, but many, many years ago, one day I'm saying, I'll die for you, Jesus. I'll do whatever you want. The next day I'm spending three days on a on a bus going up through the guts of India into Nepal, jumping on a plane, coming home, walking the back streets of Ballina with heavy metal music on in my ears saying, Jesus, I want nothing to do with you. I was a, post, I was a poster boy for, uh, for missions when, I, when I, I got saved and went to YWAM and I was the one that everybody thought, because yeah, I, I did a pretty good job of looking the part. And to be honest, I thought I was the part. And I found myself in India and all of a sudden a bit of pressure came, a bit of resistance came. And I crumbled and I saw myself and I didn't like it and I ran. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus knew exactly who I was all along. And this was the grace of God to me saying, Alan, this is who you really are. Because when you know who you really are, we can work together and we can change. But as long as you keep thinking you're here, you're not listening to me when I'm talking about this down here. You're not open to me challenging you. 
You're not open to me changing you down here because you're too busy thinking you're this particular person when you're not. You know what? It's, it's, it's fantastic that Peter got out of the boat. So I don't want to bag too much on Peter. There were other disciples there too in that storm and they, they didn't even ask God could they get out of the boat. But Peter did. But when that rooster crowed, it was a transforming moment in his life. We don't grow when God sees our weaknesses. We grow when we see our weaknesses. And it's the grace of God that reveals them to us. I remember the best way I can give an illustration to this. I was in, in, in youth with a mission, um, and I was in Wyoming for about 10, 11 years. So a lot of my, my, my stories will be from my time in there. It was a fantastic organisation. I loved every minute of my time. But I remember um, being in there doing an evangelism training school, and the guys from all over, all over the world had come, and I had a couple of mates from America, and they were great. And word got around the Wyoming base that I was this gun surfer. Now, I, I, I used to surf when I was younger. I enjoyed surfing, but by no stretch of the imagination was I Kelly Slater. But somehow, people started to talk about my surfing prowess like I was Kelly Slater. Now, to be honest with you, at first I used to think, what, who's, where's, who, you know, who's starting this? But then after a while, I started to think, it's pretty cool people think that about me. It's pretty cool. And I kind of let people talk, and I didn't, I didn't, say, I didn't, agree, I didn't say, yes, I am, but I certainly didn't squash the rumours. <laughs> it felt great. But then what happened was all of a sudden we'd get a weekend free. And some of the guys would say, look, such and such has bought a car. A guy from the States owns a car. It's not going to cost you anything. We're going to get down the Gold Coast for a surf owl. Do you want to come? And I would have to go, oh, look, I'd love to, but now I've got this uh, assignment that I've got to get done. Or, oh, no worries. Next time. Yeah, no worries. You guys go for it. I'll see you next time. Then the next weekend, oh, look, how are we going down? For, do you want to come? Oh, I'd love to come, but... I, I've, it's my week to do the lawn, so yeah, you guys have a good time. Yeah, it's great. Right, let me tell you something. After a while, it started to weigh so heavily on me because the only reason I wasn't going with them was I thought they would find out the truth. And what did that mean for me once they realised I'm not the person that you think I am? And so it was a churning and a journey and a battle and, and, and a terrible thing to go through. One day I remember having to call them in. They said, do you want to go for a surf? And I said, guys, I need you to sit down. And it was the, one of the most humbling moments of my life. I said to them, I said, look, here's the deal. I said, yeah, I come from Ballina. Yes, I surfed as a kid. Yes, I still surf. But I just need you to know I'm not as great at surfing as what you all think I am. And I was waiting for it. You liar, you this, you that... And those people sat there and they looked at me and all they said was, oh, is that why you haven't been coming? I said, yeah. And they went, oh, don't worry about that. We're going for a surf now. Do you want to come? Yes, I'd love to come. Because every weekend I wanted to go, but I just didn't want them to see who I really was. Because I thought, if they see who I really am, what will they think of me? Well, the beautiful thing is God knows who you really are right now today already. God knows where your faith is at. God knows where your trust level is at in him as a father, in him as a provider. God knows where your, your, your faith level is at. And sometimes he will allow these situations not so that he can see it, but so that you can see it. Because it's a freeing thing to see yourself for who you really are, to see where you're really at in life and to see where you're really at with God. Because once we see that, then we're able to get back out there on the board and start surfing, get a few pointers, get a bit of help and so on. But as long as we can't see who we really are, we don't progress forward on the journey. We make up excuses and reasons. But God knows who we really are. Really quickly, we'll finish up today. Fourth thing that storms do. Storms help us learn to see Jesus more clearly. 
Okay, Jesus would have looked the same as he did at any other time. Maybe he was a bit more windblown and wet. But it was still Jesus walking on the surface. However, the disciples did not recognize him. Why did they not recognize him? Not because he had changed, but because in the midst of the storm, their perspective had changed. They were focused on other things. They were looking at the wind. They were looking at the waves. And here comes Jesus and they didn't recognize him. And how often are we like that in the midst of storms and pressures? We get caught up looking at the lack. We get caught up looking at the need. We get caught up looking at the situation. Caught up looking at the circumstances. And all of a sudden our perspective, our picture of God has changed. Not because he has changed at all, but because we're no longer looking at him. He's no longer the central focus. We're now looking at a hundred different things. Jesus is still there, but sometimes he appears differently than we're used to seeing him because our perspective has changed. When we're in the middle of storms, we tend to see things differently. We lose focus and our vision becomes a little bit blurry. Now, sometimes in Christianity, we promote this real cookie-cutter image of God and we forget that he can appear to us any way that he wants to. Storms cause us to look harder for God, to seek harder after God. And when we seek after God, we'll find him. The Bible makes that promise. Last thing, storms help to keep us humble. This would have been a very humbling experience for Peter. I'm this, I'm that, Jesus, I'm the number one disciple. And speaking before he was thinking, all the boys, rah, 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 rah. Here's Jesus coming. I'll walk on the water towards you. Jesus gets out, walks on the... What if he looked over his shoulder at the boys and went, look at me, told you I was better. And all of a sudden, Peter starts to sink. It would have been a very humbling experience for Peter to go through that situation. I don't know how many Christians I have seen over the years who have found themselves in humbling situations. Found themselves in humbling storms, circumstances that brought them to their knees. Storms will do that. Pressure will do that. It will bring us to our knees. Peter walked on the water for a bit. He experienced the power of God and then straight after that he sank. He experienced the power of God, then he experienced his own weakness straight after that. There's something about humility that's a fantastic character trait. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What is humility? Humility is simply being known for who you really are. If you're great at something, you know it's, it's humility to accept that and admit that. I'm good at this. It's humility. It's humble. Humility is not worm pride where we drive ourselves into the ground and say we're not worthy, we're nothing, we're hopeless, we're this, we're that. Storms have an ability to humble us at times. The only constant in life is the character of God. Peter cried out to Jesus at that point, save me, and he did. I want to finish up there. I reckon... A lot of us at the moment are going through a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I believe that there's a lot of pressures and things that are coming against us. There's a lot of things, resistance and things that are being thrown at us right now. I want to uh, open up the opportunity this morning, just while we're, we're, we're having morning tea. I want to open up the opportunity to pray for some people here today. I, I don't believe, as I said at the start, that it's an accident that we're talking about this. And I don't believe it's an accident that as I get around and talk to different people, I'm hearing stuff that you're going through. And I'm hearing pressures that you're facing and so on. I believe as we cry out to God, as Peter did, as he was sinking, that the Lord reaches down and he saves us. He picks us up and he helps us. And if there's been anything in the last few weeks when we've talked about this issue that's touched your heart, that's tweaked on you, 
I really believe it's a divine time. I, 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 I feel the presence of God, and I don't say that lightly. I'm not one of these airy-fairy presence of God people, but I don't know why. I woke up this morning, and I just felt God. And I drove here today in the car, and I don't know why, but I just felt for some reason that God wanted to do something. And then even during worship, I, I, I don't know. I just have this sense that God is with us today and that God wants to answer some questions, that God wants to, to, to give some fresh perspectives and touch a few people's hearts today. Um, I wish I had a worship team. I'd have them up here playing the nice music to get us into that zone, but we don't have that. So it's just between us and God. But I just want to pray for us. And then uh, once we've prayed, guys, have a fantastic week. Uh, grab some morning tea and so on. But I'm going to hang around up the front, me and Jackie. And I want to pray for people. If you feel that uh, throughout the course of, of, of this whole issue of storms and pressures, if God's been speaking to you or God's been touching your heart, I don't want you to miss the opportunity. As I said, I believe for whatever reason that, that, that God wants to minister to people, specifically this morning. Not that he doesn't other times, but he's got something this morning that he wants to say and something that he wants to impart to people. So if we could just close our eyes for a second. We'll... Father, I want to thank you for uh, Arise Church. God, I want to thank you for this group of people that are here. Now, Lord, we are here together for a reason and for a divine purpose, God, and I am more and more convinced of that every day. That, Father, you want to do something uh, through this church. You want to do something to impact the community, to impact, uh, Lord, the nations of the earth. But, Father, I know before that you want to do something inside each of us, God. Father, you want to conform each of us into your image, and that doesn't just mean looking a certain way. But that means flowing in the power of God. That means flowing, uh, hearing the voice of the Spirit. That means being led by your Spirit. That means the whole image and ministry of who Christ was, not just turning us into nice people, but turning us into people of authority and power who can confront the stuff that's out there. And, and, and Father, we thank you this morning that that's what you're doing. And God, I just pray this morning, God, for each of us in this place. Father, I pray that you would strengthen us, God. Let us be people that don't run from pressure. God, let us be believers who don't shirk away from responsibility. God, let us be Christians and believers, Father, who don't uh, turn and flee every time uh, the loud noise or every time the enemy uh, gets involved in something. But God, we would be people who would stand firm. God, let us be people who live by conviction and not by convenience. God, you know there's enough people out there doing that. And Father, you're looking for people who will live by conviction, God. People who will ask the question every day, what would Jesus do? And not just ask the question as some religious comment, but those that will follow through and do it. Turn that thought into action, Father. And God, I pray for each of us. Holy Spirit, turn us into that type of a people. Move upon our hearts. Give us that conviction and that strength of spirit that we would be those people. And we pray it for your glory and for your name. Amen. Amen. Well, have a fantastic week. I'll, I'll, I'll hum some nice music if it, if it helps. Uh, have a great week, but please, I'm going to hang around up the front and uh, we would love to pray with you. I just feel like God wants to, to release some stuff into some people's worlds. Other than that, guys, have a great week. Uh, we'll see you next Sunday here. Uh, don't miss next Sunday. We're going to be launching our Connect Groups next Sunday. So it's going to be a great, uh, great morning to be here. So God bless. We'll see you next week. It's the best I can, best I can do with it.